Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Amen. My dear Christian friends, Joseph DeMio was involved in a horrific car accident when he was 19 years old. He had fallen asleep at the wheel and flipped his vehicle. Thankfully, someone came along and pulled Joseph out of the burning vehicle before it exploded. But he still suffered burns over 80% of his body. The medical team kept him in a medically induced coma for three months while they worked on him. But even after countless skin grafts, Joseph was horribly disfigured. He didn't even have the use of his hands. But the amazing doctors at the NYU Lagone Health was able to do something that's just completely wild. Nine months into their search, they were able to find the ideal donor. And then working in shifts, the medical team worked in a 23-hour surgery to transform Joseph's life. They transplanted his hands and his face. Last week, we heard how Jesus had gone into the Capernaum synagogue to preach. And there he was face-to-face with a demon-possessed man. First, he freed the people in the synagogue as he preached with authority, a message of forgiveness and salvation in his name. And then he freed that poor man by dispossessing the demon and sending that demon to his hellish prison. But Jesus' day is not done yet. Mark tells us in today's gospel, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. So Jesus and his disciples crossed the street from the synagogue to go into Peter's home. And there they find Peter's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. So what is your relationship like with your mother-in-law? Some of you may struggle with your mother-in-law. Others may have a great relationship. We don't know what Peter's relationship was with his mother-in-law, but I can imagine that he was deeply moved as Jesus healed his mother's wife. When Pastor Light and I were talking in our Thirsty podcast a few weeks ago about the introduction to Mark's gospel, we mentioned how Mark's gospel is really Peter's gospel, that Mark is the author, but he is receiving direction from Peter and inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Peter would go on to see plenty of miracles performed by Jesus, but this particular miracle must have been very personal for him. You can imagine how many times Peter would reference this miracle in his later preaching and teaching. And then he tells about this miracle to Mark to write it down in his gospel. Peter must have told the healing story of his mother-in-law's fever for, for decades in his preaching. But in the hours after this healing and the healing of the demon-possessed man, people in Capernaum must have heard about it because as soon as the Sabbath was over and the sun had gone down, then people were coming out of their houses They were carrying their sick on their mats or carrying them over their shoulders. Demon-possessed people were cussing and spitting and foaming at the mouth. People with horrible, disfiguring diseases were clawing their way to Peter's yard. 
Peter's front lawn must have looked like an episode of M.A.S.H. What Jesus did for Peter's mother-in-law, he did for every resident in Capernaum. He touched every one of them. Not a single one was turned away. Not a single one was sent home with her illness. Not a single one left the house of Peter void of Christ's love. He healed their diseases. He cured their sicknesses. He stopped their runny noses. He dispossessed their demons. He cured them of their leprosies. He loved every one of them. And now they could all go home to their families. But... If Jesus had the power to drive out their demons, if he had the compassion to heal their diseases, then why did he get up early on Sunday morning and leave Capernaum? Mark writes, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. You see, Jesus seems so nice in healing the fevers and broken bones and demon possessions. He healed them all, but then he left. Where did he go and why did he go? We often think the same things, don't we? Jesus does not seem so nice when our child is sick enough to be in the hospital. It can feel like it's Sunday morning and Jesus is nowhere to be seen when we're sitting in the doctor's office and we hear that dreaded word, cancer. Jesus can appear distant when he does not reach out and touch us with his miraculous healing. He can seem aloof when he does not answer our constant prayers to take the pain away. It can be miraculous when Jesus provides a transplant But then we might wonder, why did it take nine months for him to be able to transplant our hands and our face? It can seem like Jesus has gone away for the day. Because if Jesus has the power to drive out demons, if he has the compassion to heal fevers, then why hasn't he healed me? If he loved those residents of Capernaum enough to restore their health, then why doesn't Jesus love me enough to take away my constant pains? If he is so busy on Saturday, then why doesn't he keep on working through Sunday? We can expect healing to come from Jesus when we pray for healing. We want the same kind of miracles that Jesus performed in Capernaum to be healed on us and our loved ones. We expect that when we're sick or when we bring our sick loved ones to Jesus that he will lay his healing hands on us. We assume that if the great physician worked the late shift on Saturday evening, then he's going to get up early and put in overtime on Sunday. Friends, our priorities are all upside down. We expect the wrong things. We want band-aids from God, a happy pill, a quick fix, something to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. We want answers to our perplexing questions. We want solutions to our stubborn problems. We want healing for our diseases. We want our demons to be silenced. 
But friends, that is not why Jesus entered our world. Jesus did not enter our world to take away our diseases. He entered our world to be the cure of sin that brings about all of these diseases. Jesus did not enter our world to put his hands on us to heal us. Jesus entered our world to put his hands out on the cross so that he could cure our bodies and souls so that they might be perfect to enter heaven. Jesus did not come to restore our health. He came to restore our broken relationship with our God. Notice how we pray. How we pray in our personal prayers or in the intercessory prayers in the church. That we will pray for healing, for recovery from rehab, to get out of the hospital and go home. And then we end our prayers. But a better way to pray is, Lord, please heal me. But if it is not your will to heal me, then use this illness to teach me something and to train the others around me. Jesus, I pray for strength in healing. But if it is not your will to give me physical strength again, then I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to give me a double portion of that Spirit so I have a strengthening of my faith. We are too focused on this world and not focused enough on the world to come. We are praying for our will to be done, forgetting to take into account that it may be God's will that we are sick and that we remain sick. I have had, help, I have had plenty of elderly saints tell me that they feel guilty because their grown children are taking care of them in their home. So I tell those elderly saints did you train your children with the fourth commandment? They said, of course, pastor. That was a big one. And I said, now you're giving your grown children the godly opportunity to keep that fourth commandment in taking care of you, of honoring your father and mother that it may go well with you. Don't feel guilty because you're training them to be godly and do this Christian service for their parent. When we are ill, and we become homebound. This may be the opportunity for our Christian neighbors to demonstrate love for their neighbor. It may be the opportunity for our fellow saints to keep on praying in all circumstances. That when we are ill or homebound or in the hospital or in hospice care, that's when we become a captive audience for God. We're right where God wants us. We have nothing else to do, and so we spend time with God in his word and in our prayer. We have no one else to trust, especially ourselves, and so we put our trust in God's love and providence. We have no physical strength, so we look to God for spiritual strength. We finally despair of ourselves, and we put our faith in God when Peter finally found Jesus on Saturday morning, this is what Jesus said about his absence. Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. This is why I have come. Jesus came to preach. But it's the healing that we like. It's the miracles that we like. Preaching, that's another matter. 
answers, miracles, healings. We're hooked on those things. We pray for miracles, healings, and answers. And Jesus gives us a sermon that is so contradictory to our way of thinking. We don't pray for longer sermons. We don't ask for more preaching. We're not looking for more worship services. I may pray for those things, but you don't pray for those things. But that's what Jesus offers. He calls pastors to fill pulpits to preach. He calls teachers to go into Lutheran elementary and high schools to preach. He puts the Bible into the hands of you, his saints, so that you can read it and then go out and preach. Jesus does not demonstrate his love for you by healing you. Nor does Jesus demonstrate his lack of love for you by not healing you. Jesus uses the diseases and ailments and injuries to strengthen your faith in him. That's what Paul means when he writes in our epistle lesson, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his good purpose. Every person that Jesus healed in Capernaum on the Sabbath would eventually get sick again or get older, but eventually they would die. And every person that Jesus did not heal on Sunday in Capernaum would either get sicker or healthier or older and eventually would die. Jesus did not come to fight diseases. He came to fight our death and win. People need to know this. We need to know this. That we do not, we don't learn this in the visible glory of healing. We learn this in the hidden glory of Jesus preaching. Jesus did not heal everyone in Capernaum because it wasn't necessary to heal everyone. That's not what he came for. That's not how he deals with diseases and demons. The way that Jesus deals with diseases and demons is that he went to the cross to die, to bury those diseases and, and demons in the black hole of his death. The way that he deals with our sicknesses is not to put band-aids on them or give us painkillers, but that he takes care of the ultimate disease, which is sin, by going to the cross and his glorious resurrection. Jesus did not come to deal with the symptoms of our disease of sin by repairing our broken bones and putting back together our torn ACLs. Instead, he came to deal with the disease itself. He dealt with it by carrying every one of humanity's sins upon his perfect self. And then he paid for those sins on the cross. He buried those sins in his grave. And then when he rose from the grave, he left those sins buried in the black hole of his tomb. Yes, the earthly effects of our sins still remain, but the much more important and eternal effects of sin have been removed. Death and resurrection is the way that Jesus deals with true healing. The miracles, those just point to Jesus so that people then can come to him for healing in his preaching. Our great comfort as Christians is not in the fact that our bodies are healed, but that our souls are saved. 
Receiving healing for our bodies, that's great. But receiving salvation for our bodies and souls are even greater. Miracles are great. But preaching of salvation, that's far greater. Amen. Please rise. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Let us join in confessing our Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.